Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with about 20 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And we also have Gordon Leppard here with us again today. He's an advisor at our office at Richard Young Associates. Welcome, Gordon. Good morning, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, and you can also reach us by email. We'd love to hear your questions at info at moneymd.net. And check us out on our website, moneymd.net as well, where you can listen to us there streaming. And, uh, John, you know, I think we have an awesome show here today. But before we get into that... You know, it is game day again. This is not a sports show. You always want to talk football, Steve. I, you know, I mean, it just feels right today. It really does. I mean, uh, Carolina, I mean. It's getting cooler. The weather's getting cooler. Yeah, it yeah. is. It just, um, it's just in the air, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's just. Carolina beat Georgia, but they're getting cooler now. They're I'm ready playing. for basketball. They're getting yeah. a little cooler. A basketball they're they're fizzling out. What so. happened last week? They, who'd they play? Kentucky, yeah. I think it was. Kentucky has a great basketball program, so don't be talking they do. about that. They have a great basketball program. They apparently have a pretty good football program because they sure put it to the Gamecocks last week. And I guess Clemson won, of course, which is why we're talking I, yeah, about Yeah, pretty much trounced the same team that almost beat or gave a scare to the number one team in the country or who they were, you know, which is Florida State. So uh, enough about football. Let's get back to the and we real tied the number topics. one team in the country at the time, Florida State. So you know, I mean, yeah, yeah you're yeah, feeling yeah. good over there. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't worry. I'm not making any predictions about uh, the Louisville game. About the no, about the Carolina <laughs> oh. game. The Louisville game, I feel pretty good about. That's a Carol. That's a Clemson. Louisville you know, has Death Valley defense in the nation. Do they? They do. They're really good defensively. Offensively, not so much. So it'll be interesting then because we got a pretty be. decent defense too. Yeah, it'll be a good game. I'm, I'm actually been moving the ball pretty well lately, so it, it should be a, yeah. a fun game. Yeah, they it should got be that. a fun game. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm I'm holding my breath here. So. I think I think Carolina's fairly safe this weekend, though. I think they are. Yeah, I think they'll win this week. We will not lose tonight, I promise you. Yeah, we'll not lose tonight. (laughs) Because we're not playing. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. Back to the show. Fun, fun. Back to the show. We do have a great show lineup for the day, by the way. Um, You know, we got tips for supersizing your retirement savings. Um, These are ideas that came from Morningstar from different readers, and there's some very creative ideas in here. I think think you'll enjoy that. You want to... Take out your pad and pen, write some of these ideas down. Yeah, there's also a great article out of the Wall Street Journal we're going to be covering. It's called Mutual Funds Five Star Curse. And mutual funds rate uh, mutual fund, or that Morningstar rates mutual funds from one to five stars, five being the best. And um, not necessarily the best way to go about picking mutual funds. And we'll kind of dive into that. Well, and then we're going to get into uh, talking about big bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, bucks. It, is, it is hunting season. That's right true. Now, That's so. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about the implications of the big, bad buck. Yeah, U.S. So, dollar, right? That's right. That's right. It's yep. doing, going through an unprecedented <clears throat> right. time right now. It's uh, it really is. very strong. 
41 year uh, high. Yeah. It's interesting because I've also seen articles recently about how China's trying to take over the world currency, you know, and had clients buying asking about so that. Gold. Yeah, buying gold. And uh, yet, you know, I mean, the dollar is the strongest it's been. It's, it's a very interesting article. I think that'll be a good topic. And the investment. Investment hunters, they're looking toward the U.S. dollar right now. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of people kind of migrating this way. We'll get into that during that uh, during that article. Yeah, good topic. All right, but we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the, the Wharton uh, School, um, and it's interesting, Steve. We've, we've seen this um, stat before, and uh, 48% of current retirees exited the labor force earlier than what they had planned, and it was a result of he- health issues Maybe they were downsized by an employer or they needed to become a caregiver for an ailing family member. So about half of the people that are in retirement recently retired, they didn't have a choice or they made the choice to step out. So when we go through planning, a lot of people say, I'm going to work till 65 or 70. And, you know, the stats don't bear that out. Um, That's right. And that's why I think you got to plan to be financially ready for retirement early you know like 60 or Mm -hmm. 62 i mean you cannot sit there with a plan thinking i'm gonna work till 67 or even 70 you know never gonna retire don't have to worry about being ready for that because it happens unexpectedly for a lot of people it does it does plan ahead great financial fact of the week Okay, and that leads up our first topic here. And this is an article out of Morningstar um, about tips for supersizing your retirement savings. You know, I mean, maxing out your tax-advantaged accounts, that's just one way to boost your retirement egg. There's there's a lot that's been written on about retirement in general, the nature of retirement. You know, we've all seen this about, you know, how retirement means different things nowadays than it did, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago. Um, people are, are kind of thinking about you know working part-time um you know taking a different different approach to retirement but still i mean the key to to being happy in retirement is having enough that's right having enough money and so here are the best tips and approaches from readers in morningstar these are tips that came from folks that read morningstar that that put in different tips um into their website about ways that they have been successful um, about increasing their retirement savings. So first category of this is pay yourself first. Um, we've all heard that, but, I mean, here are some very interesting kind of twists on that that, that people have been uh, using for for successfully paying themselves first. Yeah, and this is what it, um, one uh, listener or reader of Morningstar said, save aggressively. And, and uh, between retirement account contributions, college savings, health savings accounts, uh, their goal was to put between 35 and 40% of pre-tax income away every year. Wow. And we recommend 15%. Dave Ramsey, obviously, is a 15% guy as well. Yep. And uh, much of that is earmarked for retirement, and that's a lot. But if you think about you know, when your kids get out of, out of college and um, you're on the home stretch, so you have a lot of expenses that, that go away suddenly, and so that makes that a real possibility to do. Yeah, and I know it sounds radical, but you really can do that. When Kathy and I first got married, I mean, you just have to condition yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You have to set your lifestyle. When Kathy and I first got married, we did not spend any of her income. She was a school teacher. We saved all of it. And, you know, that was literally like 35% of our income, mm-hmm. you know, because I made a little, maybe close to double what she made, but still, she, she made a decent chunk. And we saved that for a house, you know, and, and put all that money on a down payment to her house, yep. almost paid cash for her first house, which, you know, was pretty amazing. So, I mean, there are some radical things like that you can do that, that really will make a huge difference. Um, so, yeah, and another, 
uh, 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 several readers describe systems they've used to ramp up their retirement savings in other ways. For example, uh, this guy said we would save 50% of any raises we got um, by upping our 401k contributions. We never missed the money. We still got the other half in our checks, and yeah. it seemed like a win-win. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, so, I mean, saving 50% of your raises, I'm all for that. Another one said, you know, after college graduation in 1969, he went to work for IBM, and his father's parting advice was to work hard, keep my nose clean, live within your means, and save 10% of your income for rainy days in retirement. Um, which, you know, sounds like great advice. He said his first year salary was $10,000. He saved 10% of that every year until retirement in 2012. <clears throat> now in retirement, he uh, he lives off a uh, six-figure income, um, all from just saving that 10% consistently for, you know, basically over 30 years. Yeah, it's amazing when you start in your 20s. If you do that for 40 years, it, it does. historically has added up to to big numbers. Yeah, of course, he invested in the stock market. He says he also, anytime he got extra money, he would split a third, a third, a third, and they'd use a third to pay off debt. A third was invested again, you know, and then a third of it was, was spent. So it's just having that discipline to mm-hmm. do it consistently. Well, making that conscious effort, you know, before the money comes in. it already You already have a plan for it and where it's going to go, what you're going to do with it. That's so, right. That's exactly right. So that was a great tip. And then another person said, you know, plan to pay off your house before you retire. It's amazing what that does um, to the calculations of how much you'll need. Mm -hmm. And, again, we say that all the time on here. That is very, very true. Having your house paid off is paramount to being really successful in retirement. That is key. Another reader here said um, even though they're retired, they're still, quote, saving for retirement. They're doing conversions from their traditional IRA to the Roth IRA. So they convert a little bit each year. They try to stay in the 15% tax bracket. Um, go ahead and pay some of the um, you know, some of the taxes now, but then they have the Roth money. You don't have to take RMDs associated with it, and it's going to be tax-free when they do use it. So that's another, another interesting idea. I thought that's a very cool idea because, you know, if you're doing those partial conversions every year, you're paying the tax out of your pocket. So it is like you're continuing to add mm-hmm. to your retirement. Mm-hmm. Because you're paying a little bit of extra tax, you're, you're taxing it at 15%, so he's totally using up that 15% bracket. I mean, that's a unique idea. You don't see many people do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a very good chance that he's going to be paying a lower tax now than he might possibly pay in the future. Because, yeah, absolutely. Uh, exactly. Our taxes aren't going down right now. <laughs> no, they're not. So if you're in a 15% bracket, I think that's a really cool idea to do some partial conversions. <clears throat> and then kind of on a different uh, twist here, we had uh, talking about, uh, different takes on savings. Some readers mention um, taking advantage of employer benefits to help their retirement savings grow faster. Um, so one guy here wrote, um, you know, he does the standard stuff, but one trick that he has, he maxes out his employee stock purchase plan because big employers, you know, have that. Mm-hmm. They have a big stock purchase plan. And so he'll put the 15% in um, and he gets a, a discount on the purchases. So he automatically. Uh, makes the the 15% return on it because he gets a 15% discount on their stock purchases. He says it also limits their paycheck, um, makes them live off a little bit less and kind of live on the edge. But if they need to, they can sell those stock shares and, you know, still have the money if the the need arises. So 
Um, I thought that's a pretty cool idea yeah, as well. It's a great benefit they Taking have. Taking care of the benefits, exactly. All right, we'll continue this when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John, Steve, and Gordon. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. Money, money, Welcome back to Money Empty, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marver, the Certified Financial Planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey Preferred Local Provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about tips for supersizing your retirement savings. Um, you know, these are tips that came out of Morningstar from readers, and just some unique tips here. These are kind of the, the best of the best from... You know, people out there like yourself um, and things that that we've seen, you know, these Mm -hmm. implemented. Sure. And they really do make a difference. And, um, you know, we talked about some of these um, ones for for paying yourself first. Um, You know, some people are just very aggressive. There was one about saving 35, 40 percent of your income. And kids get out of the house. Yeah. When your kids get out of the house and you get that opportunity or when you first get your job, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're setting your standard of living like. Kathy and I did, you know, just live off one income and just save radically the other income. Um, so some radical ideas like that I think was great. Um, and then there's uh, the idea of saving your wage, your, your increases when you get, you know, raises, um, saving 50% of that. Another guy said he saved a third of that. Um, and just saving consistently over time is, is kind of the theme that we've, you know, touched on so far. So, um you know, just continuing on with this, uh, you know, one more creative comment came from a reader who wrote, every dollar that you get is a dollar uh, that can earn another dollar, and every dollar you earn is another dollar you can get. So, <laughs> I like this. I like it, yes. So why buy anything when you can amass an army of dollars making dollars? And uh, and it, this is how you can stop going to work because and become a general of your dollar army. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> you must be a, must be a mil- military person. Why buy anything when you can become a general? You can become a general of your dollar, dollar army. army. I love that. I, I like that. I thought that was pretty creative. <laughs> That's classic. We're gonna have to share that with uh, with Doug. Yeah, Doug exactly. Like that dollar army. So. That's good. You know, of course, saving re- often requires spending less, and and readers had no shortage of tips of how to do that. Among the most common one, and one reader uh, offered, you just got to learn to live below your means. I mean, when you raise, when you get a raise, put a substantial portion of that towards retirement. Don't buy more house or more cars or you know cool things. It it really boils down to to saving. And having some delayed gratification. And what we see is that people that save and have emergency funds, they get probably more gratification out of that than buying new stuff. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real Dave Ramsey mantra, by the way. Yes, it is. You know, I love the way he says that. He says, you know, stay out of debt, act your wage. Yeah, act your wage. That's right. Exactly. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Another reader uh, who mentioned keeping housing costs under control says, don't buy, don't overbuy on your house. She advised, I mean, there's enormous pressure to keep up with the Joneses and buy a house in a nice area. But in a lot of cases, the Joneses don't have any savings to speak of. They don't have retirement, uh, emergency fund, or otherwise. And if you buy a house in an expensive neighborhood, I thought this was a good point. When you buy a house in an expensive neighborhood, you have the ongoing pressure to keep up with the neighbors in other ways, like cars, yard work, you know, nannies, housekeepers. 
Um, you know, she bought a nice house in a less than desirable part of town, and she's kept up her retirement savings, doesn't, you know, have to live in fear and won't be able to worry about making the payments for, mm-hmm. you know, stuff if she gets laid off. Um, and I think that's very true. If you live in a fancy neighborhood, everybody expects you to kind of have the yard service sure. and fancy everything cars. that goes with that. So, uh, you know, John, you may have definitely taken that that uh, <laughs> philosophy, right? Not yeah. living in a fancy neighborhood. Yeah, going out yeah. in the country a little bit. Out in the country, exactly. So I think that's a good point. And then um, uh, another guy, retired guy, uh, said this. Um, he found that living below his means would pay off one day. Our biggest single good step was to when we decided to that when we got promotions and large increases in pay, we would invest most of that new income. Um, and that really helped make early retirement possible, they said. So they, they really did it when they were in their home stretch within their like the last decade mm-hmm. of retirement. And I thought that was a good point. You know, you, you got to apply those increases to um, to savings. Um, you just can't you can't spend every time you get an increase. And so, you know, even small savings gestures can make a difference in retirement planning. One reader said, um, we cut our cable cord and we send the extra $150 a month to our IRA account every month. And, you know, that that adds up huge. I'm thinking about getting rid of the SEC network. I'm not going to watch football anymore. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Those, those tickets that you buy, those season yeah, tickets I'm you get. Yeah, going to get rid of them. Yeah, you put that in your Roth, man. That, that'll that'll pay off big down the road. And you won't have the stress every Saturday, yeah. John. That's right. That's right. Worrying about the football game that <laughs> didn't turn out the way. You yeah. Know? I understand that for sure. All right. And then kind of the last category they had here was on marriage and motivation. Um you know, one of the surprising topic conversations, topic of conversations here among retirement savers was the importance of marrying someone who shares your financial philosophy and goals. Yeah, and you know, one one reader said that the key to saving extra money for retirement is marrying a like-minded person. Um, yeah, she she went on to say, my husband and I live like many Generation Y members. They share one economical car. They cook at home. Uh, they learn to enjoy each other's company instead of spending. Uh, to provide for fun, and they make do without the latest electronic gadgets. And, you know, they're doing that by choice um, instead of by necessity. And they admire those who financially balance it all, mortgage, family. Um, but, um, you know, they're making a choice. And, and they love each other, they said. And, you know, saving money ultimately will give them freedom associated with their life. And, um, you know, I think what they said earlier is you look at people that have cars and houses and you think they have a lot of money, and they really don't. Everything's right. going to debt, man, debt servicing versus to retirement. So you can't compare yourself to other people. It just doesn't work. Yeah, looks can be very deceiving because we get to look under the hood yes. of those houses. That's we right. see that every week. We do. And, you know, people are not what they appear it's when they drive surprising. up in some fancy car. That's right. So, And I think that's very true also about marrying somebody with like um, mind mindedness, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to spending, because um, Kathy and I are that way, and it makes a huge difference. I think when you're not fighting, you know, you all kind of think the same way, both of you. Um, so yeah, it's gratifying as saving what for one's retirement can be. Um, you know, helping others do the same also feels good. One of the, uh, the readers said here at Christmas, my children get electronics and the latest gadgets from my, my goodies from my wife, but you know, I give them a contribution to the Roth IRA account. And they're both in their early 20s. They've been investing for years. And then he also gives them a 50 cents on the dollar match <laughs> if they contribute their own money to the Roth IRAs. 
And I think for, yeah. for young kids that are have a job, that's a great idea. When, when my kids were young, like six, seven, and eight, I used to give them a dollar-for-dollar dollar match for any money they saved into a savings account. And I had to stop doing that because they would get like 100 bucks for Christmas or $300, and they would yeah. save it. And I'm like, all right, no more. <laughs> you guys have the concept now. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's right. expensive. So. Yeah, it gets expensive. Now, was there an early withdrawal fee for that? Yeah, that's decided, right. Hey, yeah. Devil, you've, you've hit us with that uh, matching. You were, you were vested in that match, son. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wasn't. But they, they got the saving. I mean, even at a young age, they understood that you know, setting some aside and giving some uh, you know, very simple concepts at a young age. But it's a, it was effective. So Yeah, very effective. That's great. All right, well, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, uh, we get this question periodically. Um, sit down with someone that has um, done a nice job with money, they have great income, great salaries, and they may walk in the door with, you know, $100,000, $150,000. I've seen it as high as 300000 And so their question is, is what can I do with this cash? And you suggest so, the, the Travis College Fund? The Travis, yeah. No, I, I don't mention that piece of it. <laughs> we focus on some, some medium-term funds, but... You know, the key is is when you have a large stash of cash is to define what that emergency fund is. Right. I just had a meeting this last week with a client who sold a business for a couple million dollars. So they're sitting with a lot of wow. uh, cash, and so they have to define what that looks like. What does that emergency fund look like? And then above that, you can peel off some money and maybe pay off debt. College is, is uh, their college is a good good suggestion. Um, and then there's something also, a medium-term fund. We've talked about this before. It's a brokerage account. Maybe you have 50% in bonds and 50% in stocks that you can you can try to grow it a little bit more than the emergency fund, but it's not a retirement account. So there's some different options. It really depends on each situation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, there are lots of things you can do with it. I, I really like to see them fund a Roth. Yeah, I mean, Roth you know. is... But there are so many different priorities and pockets that you can choose from. If you look at Dave's process with the baby steps, when you get past the emergency fund, you have no debt other than your mortgage. Make sure you have 15% towards retirement, so that could be an option. Exactly. College is right behind that. And then if you have additional money, paying off the house. That's a great thing. Paying down debt is a great way to go. There's a lot of different options. It depends on what your situation is. Everybody is a little bit different. So, but... You know, if you have questions on that, we'll be more than happy to sit down with you and kind of go through your your, uh, details. Exactly. All right. Well, that brings us up to a break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John, Steve, and Gordon. We'll be right back after these messages and GNN News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to lead off our uh, next segment here with a new topic um, Mutual Funds Five Star Curse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that five stars isn't doesn't mean all that it's kind of yeah. purports, does it? Yeah, Morningstar is a great uh, website. Kind of gives information on stocks and mutual funds. This article is from the Wall Street Journal, and um, you know most top rated funds they they lose their crown. And uh, so we're going to look at some history here. Um, certainly not trying to predict the future here, but just looking back historically. And uh, so the Wall Street Journal approached Morningstar, and they wanted to get a um, a list of the top rated funds. From years ago, those with five-star ratings, which are the, the best ones according to Morningstar, and, and take a look at them now. And the sobering fact is, is you'll see many once-proud five-star funds 
have dropped to four stars or three stars, and some of them are even worse than that. So, you know, there are lessons to be learned from that. And, you know, like I said, Morningstar reached out, um, uh, actually the Wall Street Journal reached out to Morningstar to get this, and um, the analyst at the investment research company found that the vast majority of the biggest five-star funds from five and ten years ago no longer have that top rating. So using that as your, your selection criteria may not be the best thing. Over 85% of them have dropped. Yeah, yeah, that time. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, for investors, you know, it isn't necessarily terrible if their fund drops a notch, but of the funds that had five-star ratings as of 2004, 37% had one star, had lost one star 10 years later, 31% had lost two stars, 14% had dropped three stars, and 3% had lost four stars. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a pretty dramatic you know, drop. And, you know, two of the top rated funds from 10 years ago, the Columbia um, or Cisco International Opportunities Fund and the Fairholme Fund went from having five stars in July um, to having just one or two and one and two, respectively, um, in 2014, um, from 2004 to 2014. So, yeah, I mean, you know, only 14% had five stars in 2004 carry the same rating through 2014 so that just goes to show you that you know long-term f- philosophy is a lot more important i think the morning yeah. star ratings yeah i agree that's I mean, kind of the bottom line it's just a it's a data point but to make your investing decisions based on this it, it shows that there's um there's some issues with the rating system and you know a, a separate study um suggests it's even more difficult for a leading fund to stay at the top the S&P Dow Jones Indices analyzed 715 top-performing mutual funds, and they focused on U.S. stock funds for the past four years through March, and they found that only two stayed in the top 25% during the four-year time period. Only Ouch. Only, only two. two of the 715. My goodness. Those aren't real good odds. No, they aren't. They aren't. And, you know, I think it's interesting. You've seen studies, too, that <clears throat> show... You know, if you look at the bot, the one-star funds and their performance relative to their category over the next five years mm-hmm. versus the five-star funds, there are studies that have shown that there's really no difference, you know, in terms of, of, of who the top performers are for the next five years. There's no predictive value in past performance in terms of mutual funds. I think that's one of the takeaways. That's right. And so here's here's seven lessons to learn as you look at this is, is don't buy into the all-powerful manager I mean, I think you see this recently with Bill Bill Gross, um, you know, leaving Pimco. Uh, he had been there for forever, and his funds had done well, and they hadn't done well recently. Another guy that comes to name is um, Bill Miller. He had a, a value fund that did exceptionally well, and then he went mm-hmm. through a period of time that that did very poorly. But you know, sometimes investors are drawn by these funds uh, because they have a, a leader at the top that has a strong presence, and and the uh, the allure is irresistible to invest in a fund in which one person calls the shots, especially if that fund is doing particularly well. And um, this gentleman, Dave, David Snowball, um, he's a mutual fund observer website publisher. He highlights the Morisco and the Fairhome funds as examples of funds that were top performers. They had great managers at the, at the top of them, but they still didn't do well over time. So, you know, if you fall for the all-powerful manager, I mean, it's, pr- it's proven over time that one person cannot consistently – you know, beat the market and predict right. the market. <clears throat> right. And I think it leads to that fl- to the fact that philosophy is more important <clears throat> than who's executing it, than the manager sure. and past performance. Um, yeah. The, the second thing they point out here is that high volatility 
um, doesn't necessarily lead to high returns. Um, you know, some people make that association and think, well, if it's more volatile, then I should get higher returns. Well, think again. You know, many of the top-rated mutual funds in the Morningstar data that are producing consistently higher returns um, actually have low volatility and reduced exposure to risk. Almost sounds like a diversified portfolio, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. Yeah. We, oh. We've been – somebody said that We've been preaching here. that a little bit, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, a little bit. You know, that's kind of in our philosophy forever here. Um, you know, six of the ten largest funds with five stars ten years ago um, had a ten-year standard deviation less than their category average, uh, but three had standard deviations that were close to their category average. And you know, there's just no there's no correlation there. It's kind of what it boils down to um, as far as higher returns. Higher returns. You know, there is some academic data that, mm-hmm. that points to what causes higher returns. You yes. know, and it's it's asset classes. It's smaller stocks. It's value stocks. It's um, things like that that lead to higher returns and not, not past performance or the particular volatility. That's right. That's a, that's a good one. Number three here on the list is, is watch for growing pain. Some mutual funds really aren't good at adapting their strategy to the growth. Um, and you have to be careful that as some investors move, cash to successful funds and managers then have to figure out how to invest the money some feel they uh, need to invest it quickly which could cause the manager to make a wrong decision uh, mr kennel uh, highlights uh, a mutual fund out there um, that has gone from managing assets of two billion at the end of 2004 to more than 18 billion at the end of 2007 and they've seen their five-star rating drop to a two so as money was going into Ouch. it, their performance apparently and, and the rating was um, going the opposite direction. Yeah, that happens a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they had they had tremendous success. I mean, the the uh, the fund had, but they had gotten too big um, right. to to be able to to maneuver. So when these funds, I think, um, what was the the fund with um, a couple years ago? Um, it was out of the site. They they took it Janus. out. Janus, Jan, yeah, Janus was one of them, but there was another one, Magellan. Magellan, Magellan yeah, got that's so a big one. Yeah, it did. So it did. you know, basically, the 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 bigger the fund is, it can get it can become tricky. So as money starts pouring into some of these funds, then um, it can become challenging associated with the uh, the um, the manager managing it. So. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, I mean, they've had tremendous success. You know, one of these funds they mentioned here, but they've gotten too big, and and that really impacted their performance. Um, And, you know, I I think if you look at uh, these past performances of these active funds like this, or these market timing type funds, a lot of it's just luck. I mean, that's what it boils down mm-hmm. to. Uh, being in a hot sector you know? or a hot stock. They were, exactly. I mean, I think you need funds that use more of a scientific allocation and aren't timing the market. Which leads us to our next point. Keep it simple. Exactly. Right? Management in uh, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, you know, that's that's fancy jargon. But there's some top-performing funds that that are um, that can be confusing and so forth. And what mm-hmm. this lady actually highlights DFA, Dimensional Fund Advisors, uh, one fund that's yeah. called the U.S. Core Equity One Portfolio, which is more than tripled in size and gone from a three-star uh, rating to a five. Um, do we know what that fund is? Yeah, heard of it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I DFA, think we have DFA exactly. I mean, fund advisors. Yeah, so. they have funds that are strategically <laughs> allocated. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not. They're not trying to time the market or pick stocks. She goes on to say the fund is simple, has a powerful strategy. It owns a broad range of U.S. companies with a tilt. Or two dimensions, which we just mentioned, small and value companies that have historically provided 
higher expected returns. And the turnover rate is very, very low, making it like an index fund. So we use DFA. That's why we, we uh, like them is because we tilt them towards the small and the value. And Exactly. Um, you know, they're a great mutual fund company. Number five here on the list is old-fashioned is still okay. Um, there's a fund here that they mentioned, uh, Fidelity Contra Fund. Uh, the fund has more than $106 billion in assets, and it's retained a consistent rating over, over time. It did drop down to a four-star. Um, when it comes to taking a new position in the firm, they, they talk about they, um, you know, they look at the fundamentals associated with it. So there's some funds that have a long track record that have done fairly well as also. And uh, number six on their list is get the right balance. Um, you know, funds with a balanced portfolio between bonds and stocks, they tend to keep steady ratings because they're, they're diversified. So you can get some, some funds that have um, a lot of bonds and a lot of stocks in there, and they do pretty well associated with it. Yeah, I mean, this guy uh, who's director of ETF and mutual fund research at McCraw Hill um, says that there's growing interest in the balanced asset allocation funds, such as Vanguard's fund. But he warns that those funds have a somewhat different risk profile because of their varying degrees of exposure to bonds or stocks. And more stocks tend to be, you know, higher risk than, than less stocks, which I think is interesting. But, you know, because... If you look inside at the type of stocks and bonds that they're picking, um, he says that's kind of the reason for it. I think in general that's not true. I think it's, it, it is the type. It's because they're buying large-cap stocks. Right. And large-cap stocks are less risky than mm-hmm. the rest of the stock market. That's right. In general. So let, let me sum it up with this one study. The S&P Dow Jones study, an investor browsing it at random through the 700-plus top-performing funds would have less than a 1% chance of picking one of the two funds that were still in the top quartile four years later. So yeah. you just don't have it's, – it's the, the odds are stacked against you. They are definitely stacked a against 1% you. A 1% chance of picking a fund that's going to be there four years later. So the bottom line is don't pick a fund based on past performance or Morningstar ratings because right. it doesn't work. That's yep. not an accurate way to pick your next mutual funds. Okay, good topic. And that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marvin, a certified financial planner. And I'm here with John Travis, who is a preferred, uh, Dave Ramsey, preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And, um, you know, I might also mention we have our podcast out there that you can go listen to all of our past shows anytime you want. Yeah, we have a link on our website. Right? We do. You can yeah, just yeah. net. You can go out there and click the link, and it'll take you to all the podcast over the last you know, several months. So Exactly. So, I mean, we're trying to keep that up to date, so you should be able to listen to, to pretty much all of them right up to to uh, the recent show here. Trying to make it easy for you. Exactly. Yep. And that leads us up to our next topic here, um, and that is, uh, well, actually we the prescription? prescription of this the week. This is a good one. Let's we do that. This. Dude, this is a good one. All right. We're in the fourth quarter, right? So um, you got to start <laughs> thinking about taxes, right? <clears throat> I thought you were taking us back to football. No, we're not uh, going there. I don't there. think John's going to football right now. We're, we're done with football conversation, <laughs> guys. No more football discussion the rest of the year until Carolina wins again. <laughs> <laughs> Which may be a while. I just fourth quarter made me jump there, but go yeah, ahead. Got you. No, yeah, fine. right, right, right. So we always want to stick it to Uncle Sam, right? I we mean, do. we want to. You got to protect taxes. Uh, you can save in tax deferred accounts. 
Um, there's some other things you, that you can do. But um, you can also gift, if you have stocks or mutual funds that have done very well, you can gift those to charity. So you can get a tax deduction on there, but you don't have to pay the gain associated with it. And I'll give you an example. I, yep. I met with a, a client recently, and she bought Walmart stock in 1977. Wow. $1,000 worth. It's about $35,000. So if she were to sell nice. that, she would have 15% gain roughly on that, you know, the $34,000 and have to pay taxes associated with it. So we're going to do a gifting strategy, and she's going to gift it out to some charities that she wants. So yeah. there's some ways, um, you know, she was going to give money anyway, so she's not writing that check. She's just gifting the stock to them. Yeah, if you're tied into your church or something, um, by all means, I mean, you can gift stock. Are appreciated funds mm-hmm. instead of cash, and then you can replace those investments with the cash. That's right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been using that strategy for quite a while. And I mean, it's in particularly if you're in a high income tax bracket, I and mean, this works really good for people in a high income tax bracket because you'd be paying twenty three point nine percent potentially mm-hmm. on capital gains, and so you get to you get to take a full tax deduction, avoid those capital gains taxes. Um, as long as it's long-term gains, That's they right. have to be held over a year. At 77, I think that, that would be long-term, right? That would be pretty long. A couple of no decades. So. so that's a great strategy, gifting stocks, appreciated assets to a charity. Yeah. Um, good, good one. All right, and that leads up to our next topic here. <clears throat> that is implications of the big, big bad buck. U.S. dollars on a tear. U.S. dollar is on a tear. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's been doing pretty well over the last uh, 12 months, and mm-hmm. that's what this article kind of <clears throat> speaks to. And it uh, tells us that a few market indicators reflect the power of the U.S. economy and stock market as, as much as a strong dollar does. Uh, and then deep liquidity and, and the strength of the U.S. economy is clear in how the dollar has traded this year, uh, like we were saying, a stronger dollar is excuse me, a stronger dollar is likely to be both an economic and a market positive. So, you know, there are some positive things coming out of this, but there are also some challenges that are associated with it as well. Yeah, that's right. You know, the the better than expected jobs number on Friday intensified what had been the hottest streak in the dollar in the 41 years since the dollar index has been tracked. I mean, this is this is incredible. The currency is really up is. for 12 straight weeks. And it's trading at a multi-year highs against the euro and the Japanese yen. And we see that because of the turmoil around the world. It sends more assets into, quote, the safe haven uh, of the big, big, it's hard to say, big bad buck or the U.S. dollar. <laughs> so people are putting their money into the dollar. Yeah, really it's true. You know, <clears throat> I like the way Congressman Paul Ryan puts this in perspective for us, though. He says, you know, it means we have the best horse in the glue factory. Yeah, I looked at that. I'm like, <laughs> I was, really? like, I was trying to I like that. that. One out well, you know, what, he, what he's saying is, you know, there is no world economy that's exactly on fire right now, right? Mm-hmm. But our economy is marginally better than, is a lot better than Europe's, you know, and it's yeah. better than China's and it's better than everybody's right now. <clears throat> so we, we do have the best horse in the glue factory, but all the horses are in the glue factory. Yeah, These are nobody's. That's right. Yeah, they're not great. Nobody's running the Turkey Derby here with their economy. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, stronger U.S. growth, higher interest rates make the U.S. a more attractive place for investments. Um, and it triggers even more buying of the dollars. So the U.S. might not be firing on all cylinders, uh, but relative to the rest of the world, hey, it's leading. And, I mean, however, the opposite could be said of the the once hot uh, BRIC nations, uh, be Brazil, Russia, India, and China. They've long been perceived as the growth engines of the world. Um, 
but they've slowed considerably from their highs 10 years ago. Meanwhile, the slow yet consistent stability of the U.S. economy has attracted a lot more foreign investors in the world, well, and uh, especially Russian investors. You know, true. Uh, they're they're migrating from you know away from Russia very very fast. And uh, I was reading another article in Business Week that said that more than 120 billion dollars in investment uh, funds will leave. Russia by the end of this year. Wow. Yeah, well, there's, not, there's the sanctions kicking in, right? Yeah, it's not oh, surprising. That's quite a bit of money, too. Not surprising. And the U.S. is far stronger, like you said, Steve, than other uh, economies globally. U.S. Treasury debt yields are relatively attractive versus Germany and Japan, and there's no shortage of negative headlines from uh, global hotspots in places in the Mideast and Russia. So, you know, the flight to quality makes sense. Um, this one gentleman says, Mark Lehman, he's a president of JMP Securities. So people are trying to put their money where it's a little bit safer and not as risky. Well, Steve, like you alluded to also earlier, you know, the European economy is continuing to struggle. And uh, with many investors, they were disappointed that the, the European Central Bank did not offer a new stimulus last week at the regular uh, scheduled meeting. Even Japan, with its, uh, you know, one of the, the best performing stock markets in 2013, has had a tough time this year as, you know, they debate whether how strong the, the, the market, the economy, and their recovery really is, you know, in, in the face of a, a weakening yen. So, but the perceived safe haven status of the dollar has also stoked worry about deflation here in the United States. Uh, simply getting too expensive to stay competitive with the rest of the world. The strong currency is a surefire sign that the international investor, they have faith in the U.S. economy, but when is the strong dollar going to be too much? You know, that's what we saw that actually locally with the yeah. shutdown of a, of a plant. You mm -hmm. know, and one of their reasonings right. was, uh, you know, international competitiveness and that it was hard for them to remain profitable in that light. Right, so, <clears throat> right. Yeah, I mean, the strong dollar is a problem for exports, you know, so we're producing stuff here. There there are some hangover side effects to the strong dollar. Right. Um, one is it causes it causes deflation. Um, there's a broad index of commodity prices that are off 7% from the recent highs. Um, they note here in this article, and as the dollar appreciates, commodities become more expensive overseas uh, for, for buyers who have to convert their currencies into dollars. So strong dollar makes U.S. exports very more, uh, much more expensive as a result and can create a drag on the U.S. economy. In fact, they're predicting a, a point three seven five, almost a yeah. you know half per, uh, you know over a third percent GDP that's hit pretty, to the U.S. That's pretty sizable. Economy. I mean, it is uh, almost a half a percent. So it's getting significant. You know, so I mean, the strong dollar does hurt our earn our our. Uh, uh, earnings, um, third quarter earnings will be uh, flowing out here in the next few weeks for U.S. companies and the S&P 500 companies and analysts overall expect this S&P to show double-digit growth for the quarter, according to the S&P. Um, but analysts are questioning whether these large multinationals will miss profit expectations and they'll blame it on the dollar because their products are starting to look a lot more expensive than their international counterparts. Um, and I think we're really going to see that in the fourth quarter. I think the third, you know, it kind of happens in a delay. So uh, it's going to start to hurt the U.S. economy a little bit. In the short term, there's some risk that third quarter corporate earnings could be dented by the recent mm -hmm. dollar surge. 
um, that they're saying here. But I, I think we're going to see more of that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and the, the Federal Reserve is watching the moves. I mean, they're monitoring the dollar effect on USS exports and the GDP. So they have a lot of different moving parts that they're monitoring. So, you know, we do have positives and negatives uh, to a strong U.S. dollar. I mean, one thing I know that I've recognized here lately is the the cost of gas has actually yep. dropped just a little bit. Yeah, yep. I've found it several times below three dollars, and yep. it's still amazing that 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 excites us, you know. But it has dropped a little bit, and so you know, certain imports, uh, the prices for that 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 will drop, and so that helps us. Uh, and then whenever Americans travel abroad, yeah, then they also have a little more buying power. So, Yeah. I mean, it also helps manufacturing because it makes international goods more expensive. So it helps manufacturers, you know, have an incentive to produce it here mm-hmm. and sell it locally. So I think it's a good thing long term for the economy. So, all right. Good article. And that brings us up to a close of this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. There are more prescri- prescriptions for your financial health. Check us on our website, moneymd.net. You can email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. I'll be there.